Welcome to an incomplete guide to world domination, a podcast by creators for creators, because together we can take over the world. I'm your host, Brianna Toiber. I'm Rachel Rauch. I use they, them, she, her pronouns. I write a lot, but um, mostly I'm a showrunner for all of uh, the future production house known as Nine Realms Productions. Haven't completed setting that up as a business yet, but I definitely plan to. I feel that. That's me with pseudonym social. I'm like, one of these days it'll actually be a legit business. Today is not that day. (laughs) Yep. 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 No, that's it. And then I am currently at work on uh, Storytellers, which is in Indiegogo right now. I'm not sure when this will be released. I'm sure it'll be after the Indiegogo ends. Yeah, it'll be probably like April sometime. Yeah. So I have the trailers for Storytellers out, and we are currently in production at that point, probably still recording when I have find the time and (laughs) am not unbelievably stressed and also trying not to cram three recording sessions into one day again. Yay! Well, for me, with my recording sessions, it's we sit and talk for an hour. But I imagine it's a lot more when it's an audio drama. And I'm like, that just sounds terrible. I mean, it's so doable. It just doesn't sound fun. I mean, yeah, it's it's mostly because it was like three somewhat short recording sessions. I didn't give many notes. I felt like they were doing a good job on their own. I always trust my actors a little bit too much, but also at the same time, they do such a good job of bringing the characters to life that I'm like, I can't say no to that. Nope. Sorry, you did such a great job. I have been hard at work. Uh, So Medusa's, the original story for Storytellers, that this was based on, sort of, came out in, oh, what was that? Like, September, no, no, not September, December of 2018, I think, like two years ago. Okay. I liked it. It was fine, but at the same time, it didn't have much depth to it. I was listening to uh, Alba Salik's Royal Physician, And I was uh, trying to write like that. I was trying to create something like that. And it ended up being kind of cheesy, basically a parody of Harry Potter, but more, more queer, more gay. And it was also during the time of, during that time I was in college. So it was a lot of trying to find people who were interested in podcasts within my college community and trying to get them to record. And most of the time, we didn't, none of us had the time for that. We were busy stressed out college students. Yeah, we were stressed out college students. Exactly. In there. So we didn't have the time to do that. And it kind of just fell apart. 
Um, then later in my second year of college, I tried to rewriting it. So that was actually January, January, um, not second year of college, sorry, senior year of college in January. At when I, I was, going I was to just sitting there like, how much older am I? Because I graduated in 2017 and I'm like, I'm late to the game. I, I'm kind of curious though. You mind rewinding a little bit, just like how you got started in all of this? How did you get interested in podcasting, and how long have you been writing and working on these stories? All the way back, I started listening to podcasts when I was in sophomore year. I got recommended "Welcome to Night Vale" by a friend of mine. I feel like that's a good starting point for most people. I saw a joke somewhere about. Everyone who listens to podcasts has like one brain cell that is in charge of thinking, you know, I should get back into Welcome to Night Vale. And I read that. I was like, I feel attacked, but that's also fair. Yeah. So I, I started listening to it. And of course, I stopped listening to it like at seventh episode or so. But then my that same friend who recommended Welcome to Night Vale recommended The Bright Sessions. And I latched oh. onto sessions loved it absolutely loved it so good it was so great and I listened through all the the episodes that were released and then that same friend recommended Ars Paradoxica oh that one's good I keep trying to get a friend of mine to listen to it like you'll like it but she still hasn't forgiven me for the emotional trauma that comes with the bright sessions horrible 359 that one had a mostly happy ending, though. I still haven't listened all the way through Wolf 359. I know it's good. Gets a little wacky. There's a there's an episode where it was a uh, horror based, and I couldn't get I couldn't get through that episode. I'm sure I could listen to it at some point. I just I I couldn't really. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of psychological horror. Anyways, I have listened to Ars Paradoxica and uh, The Bright Sessions, and I love them so much, but it was at the time that they were in hiatus because they were, like, writing new seasons. I'm pretty sure The Bright Sessions was on season four, so the last season, and Ars Paradoxica was on also the final season. I'm pretty sure if they hadn't finished it. No, it was the final season. It was the final season. Anyways, I didn't have anything else to listen to, so I went to Reddit. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> That's uh, either a great idea or a terrible idea. Yeah. I mean, like, I went to Reddit and, like, Google and stuff. I didn't actually go on Reddit because I don't have a Reddit, but, like, I went on Google and I searched uh, audio dramas like Ars Paradoxica, basically. And uh, the the articles that came up were, like, Alba Salix, Alba Salix, Alba Salix. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll add Alba Salix as well as a few others that I added after. And uh, I listened all the way through Alba Salix, I think on a summer trip before my junior year of college. And I absolutely loved it. I was like, oh man, I write fantasy. I love comedy. I should consider... I should consider doing something like this. 
and writing a podcast or something. So I, I came up with the idea for Medusa Gorgon's Academy. It was just a quirky idea, kind of silly, about the kids who go to magic school and how that the teachers react to those kids. Yeah, magic schools are always a lot of fun to play around with. Although you get a lot of people nowadays be like, oh, so it's Harry Potter? I'm like, just because it's a school of magic doesn't make it Hogwarts. <laughs> exactly. I created that magic school, and I also got the idea of making it witchy, because not enough stories are actually witchy enough, I felt like. I started creating that story, and then I also sent Sean and Eli a message going like, hey, at some point, I am writing this podcast. Would you be willing to collaborate or something? And they were like, oh, hey, it's good to hear from you or something like that. They were like, hi, it's it's nice to hear from a fan. I'm so glad you like our show. Would you want to Skype us? And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, Skype us. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's have a voice chat, a video chat, I guess. Internal fangirl moment where you're like, you're ac- you actually want to talk to me? Like, me? It never goes away. Yes, exactly. So I talked to them, and we actually had a Skype call, and I saw them, and I fangirled a little bit, and they gave me some information about the Audio Drama Hub page, as well as uh, the Audio Drama Slack. And also, after listening to Alba Salix, I started jumping down a whole entire rabbit hole of just like podcasts on podcasts on Because of them, I listened to Join the Party. Because of Join the Party, I was listening to Adventure Zone, mostly because of that same friend who recommended all the podcasts to begin with. They said, you would really like the Adventure Zone, Rachel. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll look into it. Thanks. You finished the balance arc? I did. I finished all the arcs and now I'm on graduation right now. I just recently started Amnesty because I listened to balance twice with a break to listen to kink balls. I am in the middle because I got to the end and my brain's like, I like the story. So I'm going to obsess and I'm like, okay, we need to take a step back. I listened to Love and Luck. I listened to a lot of hopeful, happy stories. Also, A.R. Olivieri. Also, just a bunch of other stuff, mostly because of Ars Paradox at Bright Sessions and Alba Salix recommending them to me and me jumping in head first. And then uh, my old, old version of my podcast was released in December 2018 January 2019 or so or the that first episode and then for that year I was working on my novel and then in January 2019 I went to PodCon and I saw Sean and Eli and mostly Sean and Eli and mostly met them in person and I was like fangirling I was once your heart remembered how to beat and your lungs remembered oh yeah breathing breathing is important (laughs) I gave them tea I gave them a pin 
I just was like, here's a token of my appreciation. I really am so glad I found you guys. Your podcast helped me find my voice as a writer. And that was one of the things uh, that was important to, that is important to writing is finding your author's voice. And mm-hmm. I feel like my, my author's voice is kind of sarcastic, but mostly like parody based and reference based and just like metafiction based and goofy and silly. And I met them. I met Elena Fernandez Collins. They are an absolutely amazing person. My friend and I went to the PodCon together and we were editing the second version of my podcast on the floor of the convention and we were (laughs) passing scripts back and forth about edits and stuff and they came up to us and were like are you editing a podcast right now and I was like yeah and they were like that is so great I love that and I'm like thank you it's like people like that shows dedication i'm like yeah thanks it's actually at first me it's probably would have been procrastination but yeah so that second version was also scrapped it wasn't my favorite it was basically so i had gotten between a little bit and i had started rewriting medusas as a bunch of podcast snippets where people were like talking together and they have a podcast they have a podcast everybody has a podcast And it was not my favorite version. Of course, I kept listening to all these different podcasts while I was writing and after I had scrapped it. And then I was also rewriting my novel for my senior capstone. And I was realizing and coming to terms more with my style of writing. I realized that it was more serious than I was letting it be. I think. I dimmed my capstone, which was about 40, 50 pages double-spaced, and it was great. And then I started rewriting Medusas again. But this time, I was watching the storyteller, and I was thinking about the trope of the storyteller sitting in front of the fire with the dog and talking to the dog and telling an invisible audience. And I was like, I really like that idea. Maybe I can use it because it's a pretty common trope. You find it anywhere. It works especially well with audio dramas, I think, just because there is no visual. So the person could just be talking to themselves. Yeah, but I manipulated the idea and made it so that the main character was the audience member. So you are a member of the story, Because you are the story, capitalized story. I've never thought about doing that. I'm like, how how do you make that work? It's not like choose your own adventure or anything, but it's like your storyteller is directly talking to your audience. One of the things I do is I have blocks of text. But those blocks of text are broken up by little ellipses or little pauses that the actor does to create that idea that the person, the story, the audience member is responding to those questions, responding to that conversation. Oh, I like that. 
Thank you. It can kind of be hard because it, it can feel kind of like an info dump if you're not listening. But if you really like to listen to that kind of stuff, sometimes sometimes people respond within the pauses as they respond. I once wrote a short little story for another podcast that I'm working on because I have like too many ideas in my head. Same. I came up with another idea today because I have a podcast where I do D&D character interviews. Well, I'm like, I want to have one where I just do villain interviews and have it be like a very different setting. Instead of a casual conversation, it's interview as in the person is looking to recruit and they're just trying to decide if they want to recruit you. That sounds great. I love that. I've got like seven different audio drama ideas. I'm like, my brain doesn't know how to stop. (laughs) Yep. One time, Sean Howard posted a tweet about how they were creating their idea for their Choose Your Own Adventure project for Civilized. He wrote it, or Civilized wrote it or something, about how the feeling you get when you get another idea right when you're about to finish something or something like that, of how you can expand it. And the gif he posted with it was a Hail Mary pass. I responded to that going like using the good place. It's too real gif of Eleanor running away. And I was like, yep, that is, that is totally me. I keep, I keep getting new ideas. I cannot stop no matter what. Back on the topic. What was I talking about? I can't remember. Something about storytellers and the new ideas, and travelers, and oh yeah, I I <laughs> sent a short snippet because of there was this wonderful thing in December where we exchanged pod gifts, and these pod gifts were like audio snippets that you recorded, that you wrote, that you sound designed, etc. And I did one with an AI character that's coming out in my next podcast idea, which is Travelers. It was basically the AI talking to the audience member, and the AI was talking about how Christmas time is the greatest time and giving him tea and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I would pause when it would be the audience member's response. I sent it to him and he said, I've listened to it twice. I really like responding in the pauses. And so that's something I want to do with uh, storytellers. I want to be able to create a sense of engagement with the listener and have the listener be able to participate, even if they don't have a way of like, directly participating they can still participate by creating their own kind of dialogue within the silences i think yeah that's kind of genius like i i've seen other sort of where it's more of a choose your own adventure style like with the five week countdown but i don't think i've ever seen one where it's designed to feel like you're interacting with the story as you're hearing the story There's a podcast called Whichever Path, where it's basically an anthology uh, podcast where the audience chooses the story, but it's not like they're 
directly interacting with the story and the characters. And in my idea, my world, the story has the ability to choose between being good or being evil. I put that those in quotes because morally great always exists and you can always choose always more than evil more than good whatever you want to do but um i created this story to be more based around audience participation because i love metafiction and i love breaking that fourth wall and having the narrator directly talk with the characters and be like why are you doing it this way and the characters be like (laughs) well i want to do it that way don't judge me (laughs) oh i love that I feel that sometimes I wish I just wish I could like reach through and be like, you're being an idiot. (laughs) Exactly. What have been some of the challenges you faced diving into this world of podcasting? Um, That tie says probably a lot. Well, besides the fact that I was a college student when I first started, When I first started, I was writing the podcast. I was editing the podcast. I was recording the podcast with a bunch of people. I was managing schedules. I was doing basically everything that a showrunner does. And basically everything that I do now, except now I've got more people to kind of delegate to. Delegation is fantastic. It is. I love to be able to be like, hey, Tal, can you help me with sound design? I'm a little bit stressed. (laughs) So when I first started out, I was extremely stressed out because I had all this to do as a showrunner on top of all the schoolwork I was doing, on top of my parental units telling me, oh, get a job, get a job, Rachel, get a job. I know that feeling. It's not a fun feeling. Oh, it is not. I'm guessing they weren't always super supportive of your production dreams. No, not always. It got better when I graduated college and I started buckling down with my job. I can actually like talk to my parents about business stuff now without them freaking out about me losing money because I actually have a budget and a plan. Which is nice. I have one of those things. And that the one I have does not involve money. <laughs> well, a plan is good enough. Yeah. When I first started out, I did not have budgets. I did not really have plans. I just was kind of going by the seat of my pants. And the first episode was released while I was trying to finish the season. And I hadn't even like recorded the second episode and all that stuff. Just like very very busy. And so I, that's one of the main reasons I stopped is because I just, I wanted to do more, but at the same time, it was a lot. So uh, I took a break, of course, from podcasting. And then I tried it again with my second version. And that, of course, was also not a failure, but I scrapped it too because of plot reasons. And also because it was stressful to be writing, recording, editing, etc. Even though I'd kind of gotten better at making plans. And also it was easier and simpler. But it still felt like a bit of stress for me. And Mm -hmm. 
now the things that get in the way of podcasting and being able to podcast is work. I have a lot of just work, like I have a full-time job and then I sometimes take side gigs with a catering position on the weekends. And then when I'm not doing those two things, I'm trying to socialize with people and get do friend get-togethers and maybe do uh, gaming, TTRPGs, and stuff like that. So having a life outside of work. Yes. Which is incredibly important. Exactly. Exactly. I really want to be able to have a life, but my hobbies feel like a full-time job to me sometimes. Yeah, podcasting can definitely get that way, for sure. Exactly. Just on this last weekend, Sunday, we had three recording sessions for the first episode, and I don't think the episode is even done, and I, my brain is like telling me, Yay, I have to pick takes soon at some point. Yay! And I also have to figure out when the next recording session for the second episode will be and the next one and the next one. And I don't know my schedule because, oops, I don't know if I'm going to be taking the catering job anytime soon. I don't know if I'm going to be hanging out with my friends this month because it's my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, it's not till next week. Hopefully my friends actually hang out with me because I haven't seen them in like, I don't know, since May of last year. Yeah, you, you, you need to take some time to spend time with friends because spending time with friends is really important. Agreed. Most of my socializing has been spent at Friday afternoon with podcasting friends for the most part. That still counts as social socialization. Yeah, it's just I miss my college friends. All my college friends live in Waco, and I'm like, whenever I have three days off in a row, I go down there. But there's also a thing of like, I had three days off in a row this week, but money's kind of tight this week because student loans and I work in retail and they're cutting hours. I'm sorry, that sucks. Yeah, it's rough. So I'm working on getting a full-time job because I would love to have that like financial stability and the consistent schedule, but also know like that's gonna make producing these two podcasts kind of tricky because sounds like you have a team, which having a team is amazing. I got me. Yeah, as you can tell by my my failures in producing on my own, it's hard to produce on your own. It's hard. Even when it's just like an interview podcast, it is hard to be able to sit down at a at a selected period of time and just click, okay, this person did a lot of ums and buts and oh, wait, this person's laughing while they're talking. That's fun. And stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I try and leave laughs in, but some of the other stuff does get trimmed out, and I've got pretty good at it, too. But it's just one of those... Sometimes you just said you want to do something and you want to create something, so you just kind of got to sit down and create it, whatever the challenges may be. It's... Challenging sometimes because you want to write something, but at the same time, I'm a perfectionist. So if it doesn't sound 
right or look right to me or read right to me, I'm going to be like, nope, 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 find another way to write this and then rewrite almost the entire thing sometimes. That's why I've wound up with like six drafts of my novel because I'm like, nope, I don't like the way this sounds. I don't like the way this writing makes me feel. So I'm just gonna scrap it and start all over. Yeah, I've I've done that before, but also I see a lot of writing advice that says like just finish the first draft because all the first draft needs to do is be written. It just needs to exist, and then you can go and you can rewrite it and you can fix it and you can make it better. Oh, I know that. But sometimes you just gotta stick with it, even if you're just sitting there thinking this is garbage. This is garbage. Sometimes just finishing it, figuring out, like, sort of how to get there. You'll at least learn how you don't want to get there. Yeah, I'm just like, but this doesn't sound right. But this doesn't feel right. But the wording is off. I don't like it. And it's, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that this last rewrite that I'm doing, that I'm planning for April, will be the last rewrite I do before actually sitting down and editing it because I'm feeling pretty confident. Of course, one little thing could ripple out and affect the entire project, which is fun. Yep. You said your parents eventually got came to be okay with it, but how do your friend like, what do your friends think about what you're doing? Well, my, my friends come up like what I'm doing or understand what I'm doing. A few of them have even graciously agreed to be characters in my podcast, either in the future or they were in the past. One of them is playing a character she created in the future, maybe in a few years. <laughs> I feel that. Some of that's you with some of my ideas. I'm like, this is a in a few years sort of thing. Yeah, my whole thing is, I've got nine seasons, because I've got nine realms. So I've got nine storytellers. So that means lots of people. Another question I was going to ask is about where the name Nine Realms Productions comes from, but we can get to that after this. Sure. So I've got a lot of friends who I love and who have actually helped me cultivate this world. My friend Kyla, she helped me create Easton as well as the Four Kingdoms, which is two of the nine of the nine realms. (laughs) We created some couples together that we absolutely adore. We love role-playing them, so that's why I created these worlds because of them. I was like, I love these characters and I want to keep writing them with you, Kyla. And so Kyla and I are currently writing a novel where I'm going to write the season for Easton and I'm going to write the season for The Four Kingdoms very soon. And I'm also hoping to send Kyla some tea for those two worlds. My friends have really helped me cultivate my writing skills and my world itself helped me world build because at one point we did do a a game in my world, a TTRPG that I created called Quest. 
all capital with three exclamation marks. That's cool. It was a trope project that I did for the hero's journey because I had to do a paper on something in mythology. And so I did a paper on role-playing with the hero's journey. I really liked playing in that RPG universe. We did like several pages of RPG dialogue with these characters. It wasn't great. Uh, The love story just like went from from zero to a hundred within like, I don't know, a few hours of the characters meeting. So that was a lot. I'm like, I feel like with RPGs, it either never happens or it's just like, it's like, oh, hey, and oh, hey, look, they're in a relationship now. Yep, 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 yep. But we had fun creating it. And that kind of gave me the confidence to start creating my novel. And it also helped me gain confidence as a writer. And because of that, we kept trying to rewrite that RPG, but, but it always ended up kind of being a mess. But now, Kyla and I, I created Easton because of this like RPG that we had created together. And then after creating Easton, she and I created another separate kind of dumb RPG, not dumb, silly RPG, about a satyr, a fire nymph, a kitsune, and a angel. That's a fun combination. It was a fun combination. And from there, the next world called the Four Kingdoms was born. And the Four Kingdoms is about like wizards and elements. And then Easton is about just craziness. It's kind of like Night Vale. All the magic just comes to a point in this small town all the the ley lines and stuff everything meets up in this small town so all the magic is going like crazy and haywire so all this magic energy is feeding into easton and thus a bunch of like chaos just happens in easton and it's always completely normal and like completely uh fine and like everybody understands it and it's it's Apocalypse Tuesday, so there's going to be an apocalypse on Tuesday, and our time god is just going to reverse it. It's very easy, and stuff like that. It's completely normal in this world, and when my friends and I played Quest, I ran them through this crazy, messed up world, and my friend Kyla, who had created the characters with me, and kind of helped me create the world. She was like, I hate this world. Why are you running me through it? And I'm like, well, I think it's fun, Kyla. That I I feel like I would just need so much coffee to deal with that world. I don't think there's enough. Hey, I think it's fun to be just like, hey, there's chaos. It's chaos. And it's completely normal. Most of the time I'd be like, and this is totally normal in almost every scene. And my, my players would be like, but it's not totally normal. That just tells us it's not totally normal. For this world, yeah. For you, no. <laughs> exactly. It's like when you get used to the weather 
of a certain area or used to the, the atmosphere of a certain area, you're not really thinking about it anymore. It's just totally normal to you. So for the Easternites, it's totally normal to have Apocalypse Tuesday. But for people playing in Easton or people from outside of Easton, it probably wouldn't be normal. It would be, what in the world is wrong with you people? Do, do, you, do you need a better world? We can we can try and find you a new one. Everyone's like, no. Why would I need a new one? I like it here. I just bought a new house. Come on, man. <laughs> yep. So you wanted to ask me about the nine realms? Is that correctly? Yeah, I, I yeah, I've been wondering for a while about where the name Nine Realms production ki- comes from. So in uh in Norse mythology, oh, I love Norse mythology. It's so weird. I love it too. That's the main inspiration for the the pantheon, the weirdness of the world, the atmosphere of the world. That's what I wanted to say. That's where my ideas mostly stemmed from is Norse mythology, because I'm a Norse mythology nerd. I'm like, Loki is Loki! Yeah, there's also, like, the weird stuff, like, everything came from a giant night sweats. Thor had a piece of whetstone lodged in his forehead when Ragnarok came around, and he also had two pet goats who he could constantly kill and eat, and then they'd be fine the next day. Yep, and it's completely normal. And Loki is the mother of a six-legged horse. Was it six legs? I thought it was eight. I'm pretty sure it's a six-legged horse. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. I'm I'm tired. I feel that. Yeah. I listened to a lot of myths and legends podcast. What? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes, eight is what most of these say. Some of these say like thirteen. I don't know why. It's still weird. Not important. Because of my Norse mythology nuttiness, I was thinking about the tree, Yggdrasil. And Yggdrasil goes through nine realms. From Asgard, then Midgard is one of them, and then Hell is the the bottom one. I can't remember the other uh, worlds on the world tree, but I know those three. But I was inspired by the idea of it's nine realms, it's nine worlds on this tree. And then I was inspired by the penumbra pod. And I was thinking about how the train just goes different stories and different worlds. It transcends boundaries and transcends limits. And uh, it is existent but non-existent. And so I created a train that goes through nine different realms that I created. Oh, fantasy trains are the best trains. Yes, I love trains. So I have like the witching world, which is about witches. I have the four kingdoms, which is about wizards. Uh, The, oh gosh, there's the world of witch hunters, which is about like witches who have the abilities to kill those who have been corrupted by Kronos's darkness. So Kronos is encroaching upon each of these worlds in different ways, uh, wrapping his tendrils around them. And some people, some characters have been corrupted by darkness and evil intentions. And 
Kronos is in Greek mythology Kronos, or Kronos is in, like, for time? Greek mythology Kronos. Gotcha. Had a feeling, just wanted to confirm. The titan who eats his kids and then gets killed by his other kid. Because his wife tricked him into eating a rock. I'm a bit of a mythology nut myself. Yes, I remember the story. Zeus is not a good guy. No, he's not. He's the worst. He is the worst. You used to have to like pick any Greek mythology episode of the Myths and Legends podcast. You'll see. He's terrible. Absolutely the worst. So there are nine different realms that were created by me. Each of them have a different like magic caster behind it. Some of them are sorcerers inspired by a combination of Cersei and Jin, or magical girls and boys inspired by anime. It's as long as it's not inspired by Madoka Magica, I'm okay with that. It's a good show, but it wrecked you. It, it wrecked me. I think it was mostly inspired by Sailor Moon. I always loved laughing at how whiny Sailor Moon is and how much of a crybaby she is. Yeah, yeah. I still love it. I just I just think it's kind of funny how she makes a big deal out of almost everything. Anyways, I created nine realms, and so nine realm productions. And it sounds kind of cool, and it'll still sound cool when you work on other stuff, too. Yeah, and I've already gotten the logo pretty much done. You see this going nine seasons, and you're also working on other ideas as well so do you want this to become a full-on full-time production company probably not i don't see it ever becoming a full-on full-time production company we talked about this a little bit in the audio server but when you're creative you're almost always a creative and something else I think I'll probably stick with my full-time job, even if I do make enough money to do this full-time. I'll still be at my full-time job because I love to work. I know that I can probably do a lot of work with my production company, but I also know that I'm going to be spending, if I, if I did go full-time, I'd be spending most of my time just lounging around the couch in my pajamas, eating macrons and saying, I'm being productive, or something like that. Not going to lie, that kind of sounds great, but I also, I've noticed there is a thing where one of the symptoms of anxiety is constantly working. I'm like, oh, hey, it's me. <laughs> yes. That is me too. I constantly want to be able to work and be on my feet. But at the same time, there are times when I'm just like, I'm going to sit here and not sort the mail. It's fine. <laughs> All right. So a couple questions to wrap it up. What's a piece of advice that you would give someone looking to either start a production company or start working on an audio drama? My advice would be to come up with a plan of attack. Most of the time that might be, that's usually an outline. And you can create a series Bible before you even start working on your actual series. It'll help organize your ideas. It'll help you know, okay, this 
is where I need this episode to be in order to move forward. I need to think about how these two stories connect. If you create a series Bible, you will be able to see all the patterns. Not all the pattern stories are constantly evolving and constantly changing. So you also need to be ready to adapt to whatever comes your way. Whatever ideas change and change the story, you need to be able to understand how to uh, adapt those stories, those ideas into the story that you're currently telling. So like I had a huge idea change like halfway through as I was writing storytellers. It didn't seem to change all that much, but it did create a whole new series that I I am currently working on. Yeah, it's fun when huge changes come along. You won't be able to stick strictly to that series Bible, but it might help to organize your ideas and help you create a roadmap of some kind. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to copy that. And another thing I found is, since we both seem to have a habit of coming up with far more ideas than we could ever shake a stick at, if you get an idea while you're working on something and you don't want to immediately dive into doing it, make sure you at least write it down. Get it written down somewhere so you don't lose that idea. I use OneNote to keep track of all my ideas. In my OneNote, I have all my series that I have planned and then little notes in general about it. And then I've also got a notebook about all the worlds that I'm creating and all the sub-worlds, et cetera, et cetera, to help me organize my thoughts. And OneNote has been especially helpful to me. So I would definitely consider it if you're thinking about creating something big and overarching or your brain just doesn't want to shut up or whatever. Second one is me. I personally use Google Drive and a notebook that is always in my purse. Though I'm running out of space, so I found another purse-sized notebook. Smart. All right, so want to take a minute and do a little shameless self-promo? Where can people find your stuff? So you can find my stuff by searching Nine Realms Productions in any podcast app. Storytellers should pop up first because that's the one that's currently out. Or rather, the trailers are currently out. The real show will not come out until October 31st because we are currently in production when this goes out. You can also find us at ninerealmproductions.card.co or if I create the domain name for that, ninerealmproductions.com and you can find our Twitter at Storyteller. An Incomplete Guide to World Domination is directed and produced by Brianna Toyber as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network. Music is by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. You can find more of his work at chesterstudios.net. If you would like to help support our show, you can find us at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. You can also leave a review on iTunes to make our show easier to find for those who need it. For more information on the other shows produced by Pseudonym Social, please check out our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com.